Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise, where we talk about all kinds of stuff that's interesting for an embedded developer. It might be hardware, it might be software. In this case, I think we're gonna sort of discuss the in-between. Uh, my guest here is Jadev Amright, and he is the Director of Product Management for Spark Cognition. Hello, Jadev, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much. So I sort of alluded to the fuzziness between hardware and software, and I got a feeling that's where we're gonna end up here. Um, what you guys do, if I understand this right, is you take video streams and you extract data from it. I'm sure I dumbed that down significantly, but is that right? Uh, yeah, I think you're generally right. I think one way we think about it is that, um, I mean, technically all video streams are technically time series data, they're all data. What we're really looking to do is extract insights. So something that is interesting, that is worth grabbing a human's attention with, that is typically what we're looking for. So the insights to me is analytics, is that the same thing? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I think you can look at insights. I would say analytics are a type of insight. Uh, you know, you can have things that are like descriptive analytics that might be purely backwards looking, right? How did my company do last month? I mean, that's certainly useful insight. Uh, but I think uh, where we're trying to go is effectively things like actionable insights, essentially something that the AI spots that is useful to a human to mitigate a certain type of situation. So instead of being retroactive, how can we actually make people's jobs more proactive? So have the AI do the looking, have the human do more thinking. I think that's really what we're going for. Okay, all right. I was gonna put you into another peg, but I, I don't think that's fair. So I'll hold on to that one. So with video being everywhere, there's a million different applications that this could be used for. Um, mm -hmm. And you guys are, are a, a smaller company. So where do you hone in on? So I think uh, here's the way we think about it. Um, so uh, I forget what the latest numbers here might be, but uh, you know this was widely reported actually more in the context of sort of, uh, you know, uh, China has the system of like a social score, just like you have a credit score or social credit. So I think this was reported in the context of that, but there is like 700 million cameras already deployed. This was actually 2019 numbers. So they were projecting about 1 billion surveillance cameras. And I think the, the, the thing that we noticed was that most cameras are still basically passively monitored, which means that they're basically looking back. So essentially something happens, you look at that feed to be able to uh, essentially get you know, information for law enforcement and things like that. And if humans are monitoring those cameras, you have a very, very high miss rate. Humans just get fatigued looking at screens and screens of data, they don't spot anything. So I think where we are essentially going is we are using AI to look for leading indicators of problems. So, you know, like you said, the obvious applications are in things like security, right? So essentially what can we do to identify leading indicators of problematic, uh, you know, leading indicators of problems like suspicious behavior and things like that. But one of the biggest applications we see is sort of in the industrial sector with health and safety. So, you know, if you're like a safety supervisor in an industrial situation, um, you are trained to take observations from your employees that deal with things like unsafe conditions and near misses. And historically, these have been handwritten records, right? 
And now we can actually use the visual channel to capture things like unsafe conditions and near misses. So essentially think about it as, you know, there's a, a walkway and there's a pool of water. Maybe that's because there's some condensation that's leaking water. That's an unsafe condition. Nothing has happened yet, but you can use the AI to spot things like that. Um, in quality situations, so like, let's say food and beverage manufacturing, you know, like a common problem that we've actually seen. And this one is very hard apparently to tackle, but, uh, you know, we visited a food and beverage manufacturer where they have these jars of mayonnaise, basically. And they have a litter that is basically crunching through like 300 type of bottles per minute, right? It's literally screwing the lids on these bottles. And so when they have a failure, you have an entire batch where the, the lids are not aligned. Now, guess what? If we look way ahead of that problem in the line, you start to see bunching of bottles. So by capturing that, we can essentially create a leading indicator of a problem that might happen downstream. Now we do the same thing, same types of things in retail, for example. So if you have a, uh, let's say something that is, you know, sort of high traffic retail, imagine jewelry sales or, or watch sales or luxury goods, right? We can basically look at things like dwell time and like how many people have been around the floor but not having gotten attended to. We can use that as a situational awareness to like a supervisor that might say, okay, we need to act on this customer, otherwise we're gonna lose them, right? And as you can imagine in a, in a retail type situation, especially with these high-end things, each customer costs you a lot or each missed opportunity costs you a lot. And so these are the type of unusual things you can start to do beyond security when you start looking at sort of these leading indicators of problems, right? I mean, of course, uh, and, and here's the, the, the key thing. And of course, you know, I'll, I'll make this part of the answer quick. To detect these leading indicators, we really, really need to work with subject matter experts, right? I mean, of course, when it comes to like detect a fire, for example, that's a well-known concept. You can train an AI model for it. My data scientists can do it. But to detect what goes into a situation where there may, might be fire or what goes into a situation where you might lose a customer, these are indicators that humans are really, really good at detecting and we effectively transfer that knowledge to AI models. So these are the type of sort of unusual situations you can start to you know, uh, look for or mitigate using sort of the AI-based approach. Okay, let's go down in, into the technology here. How do you actually do this? You're attaching to the video stream mm -hmm. and pulling out frame by frame. How does that work? Well, it's actually video analysis, but generally you're right. I mean, what typically happens, and again, um, I know the focus here is a little bit, you know, on embedded systems. So I'll, I'll go maybe a little level deeper. So typically what you get is you have cameras that emit streams of video. Um, typically the format is something like RTSP. Of course, we can go into more detail on that. But the general idea is we can take cameras that are capable of doing RTSP streaming. And technically modern, all modern sort of IP cameras give you that type of stream. If you have older cameras, they can connect to a DVR that can generate that type of stream. And mobile phones generate something called RTMP that can be converted to RTSP. So long story short, almost any type of camera generally works here. What we're typically doing is we're using um, a GPU very close to the edge to do this type of processing. And what goes on the GPU is typically a pipeline that is composed of many different types of AI algorithms that are overlaid on top of each other. So the very simplest, I mean, think of this as like a Death Star built with Lego blocks, right? At the very, very basic, you might have things like object detection or person detection or face detection. You layer that on top. 
And then or on top of that, you would layer, you know, is the person wearing a certain kind of, you know, equipment or certain type of, you know, attire to detect, let's say, whether they are a retail employee or whether they're just a customer. On top of that, you might look at things like dwell time. So you might look at sort of a retail area and say, within this area, how many customers are there versus how many retail agents are there? So you layer these elements. And so you go from what is a basic classification or an object detection model all the way to what you would call a business case, essentially, right? So you, you take something that a human would do or a problem that a human would look for, and you sort of compose that using many layers of algorithms. Some of them are vision algorithms, but then others don't even have to be, right? So you can do classification, you can do forecasting, and you can build these things in layers. And that is what gets deployed onto this GPU that kind of sits usually very near the camera. And that's one of the things we see often, which is that in a lot of our working with customers, they'll typically start with a standard use case like detective all of my employees are wearing PPE, right? COVID times, that was a huge consideration. But then they're like, wait, 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 can you also tell me how many customers come into the store and just leave? And we're like, sure. We can just add the algorithm for that onto the GPU. And yes, of course, sometimes you have to scale the compute on the edge, but you know that's generally how the system gets orchestrated. And then of course, there's a cloud component, which I'm sort of happy to talk about uh, what that is used for. That is pretty cool stuff. So what's the trade-off? Nothing comes for free. Uh, sure, I mean, so, uh, I mean, you can think about trade-offs in a couple of different ways, right? I mean, one is you can sort of look at uh, trade-offs generally in terms of cost. Mm -hmm. You can look at trade-offs in terms of complexity. Like essentially the more complex your use case is, the more validation you need to put into it, right? At the end of the day, you want the AI to be detecting good, useful information, not creating any false positives, not missing anything. And so that comes with the validation burden. And of course, then there's the whole, you know, space of, uh, you know, ethical and privacy considerations that are a whole different type of trade-off, right? I mean, how much surveillance is good, how much surveillance is useful, uh, that in itself is a, is a different consideration. I'm happy to talk about, you know, any of these sort of in, in detail. Yeah, we don't do politics on this show, but thank you. <laughs> of course. All right, I I think that's a good spot to end here. This is really interesting, and uh, I will be checking out what you guys do because I find this really fascinating. The things that you're able to do that just a few, a few years ago we didn't have the technology that would enable something like this. Uh, no, you're right, and it's it's the uh, you know. I mean, technically, I would owe the entire existence of our company to all of these big megatrends that just happened together, right? Algorithms got really good. The big sort of cloud scale companies started to invest in a lot of fundamental research. Along with that, you basically got access to compute power, right? Which was not there. Like GPUs are a relatively new thing. And then, of course, you started getting essentially unlimited storage in the cloud, which means that people started collecting the data. And if all these things hadn't happened together, you wouldn't have sort of this iteration of AI that is like so uh, sort of involved in our lives. I mean, back in the day, a lot of AI was being done in labs, you know, it was largely hypothetical. Mm -hmm. And now we interact with AI literally every day, right? When I write an email, Gmail completes my sentences for me. And so, you know, you're getting this like next generation of AI primarily because all of these things have come together. So you're right. A lot of these things would have been impossible years ago. And we're still, I would say we haven't even tapped like 20% of what's possible, you know, so a huge, huge headroom here. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Jadev. I appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity.
That was Jadev Amright. He is the Director of Product Management for Spark Ignition and Iron Mitch NASC with Open Systems Media.